All right, welcome and good evening to you all. Um, welcome to day three or week three of our Mind and Family Seminar. Um, today we are going to look at living married. Living married. The first week we spoke on marriage, looking at it from God's point of view, and established a biblical definition from some scriptures we took. Week two, we looked at the roles and responsibilities of both spouses as pertaining to the husband and wife. And today is week three or day three. Uh, we want to look at living married. You know, sometimes your relationship status will not translate into that. It's one thing to declare your relationship status as married. And it's another to live actually married with your spouse in the same house. Amen. Um, let's let's read the scripture, Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 to 6. Have you not read that he made them at the beginning? Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man should live? Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man should, should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has read together, let no man separate. So the goal of marriage is one flesh. And for one flesh to happen, you have to live married with your spouse you have to learn to live together that that is the goal and for you to also live married and hit the goal of one flesh you have to take care of internal and external factors okay you have to set boundaries and then take care of external and internal factors the boundary you have to leave your father and mother it's a boundary now you have to leave. If you don't leave, you can't cleave to your spouse, both husbands and wives. And then you you also have to take care of external factors because in in this instance, man is mentioned as a factor, but it's an external factor. There are also internal factors, and that is issues unresolved between the husband and the wife that can disturb. The harmony of the marriage relationship so you've got to take care of these things so that you'll be able to hit the goal of marriage and the goal of marriage is to be one flesh so based on this we want to talk about certain steps that we believe that certain practical steps that if we should take them it will help us to achieve the goal of one flesh in marriage and most importantly living married amen so i'll go i'll go with the first one so we have six points here let me just read through and then we'll go through them one by one so today pastor and i we are talking in again so i'll do three she will do three so the six are as follows plan jointly schedule dates have spiritual moments together take breaks together be sexually active, and conflict resolution skills. Amen. So I'm going to take the first one, Lion jointly. It's very important that both of you have 
plans together. So sometimes what really separates the marriage is plans. The husband has his plan, the wife has her plan, and they can't seem to come to a middle ground. What do you want to do? One wants a mortgage, one wants to build a house in another country. What do you want to do? One wants to go to school, one two wants the other to focus on a job. What do you want to do? So you have to come to a place where you plan together. That's one of the ways to build a marriage. And sometimes one of the reasons why it becomes difficult for couples to plan jointly, sometimes you have to look at your spiritual union. That's why the Bible says we should not be unequally yoked if an unbeliever, because one of the major implications that will happen is that it will, it will now affect things like day-to-day -day living as when it comes to the planning, communication, and, and stuff like that. You will not be on the same wavelength. So most times, couples that really struggle to plan together the root of it could be that they don't have a spiritual oneness together. And that's why it's so important as a believer should marry a believer. That's one of the reasons. Because once we are able to build that base, that spiritual unity, it becomes easy to take it off from there. Amen. And, and one of the ways for division to come is for the devil to give you two visions. And two visions is a division. See, die is also two. And where there is a division, it will lead to division. So plan, let me just put it into, into perspective. One of the things you can do is to, you know, do things like a 20-year plan, a 10-year plan, five-year plan, depending on your scope and your outlook in life. So, for example, as Jessica and I, we did a 20-year plan. And the only reason why we even attempted to do that was because we went to um, this meeting by a certain man of God. And I'll mention his name, Dr. Nelson Tebble. I mean, Pastor Jessica and I, we love him. We listen to him. We think he's great. So when he came to our state, we just took it as a great opportunity to uh, take time off and go for the meeting. And in the meeting, that's all he preached. We had a 20-year plan. And when we came home, we put the message into practice, right? So you, you could do that. And how are we able to do that? He had a template. And I think the template is still there. The last time I checked, it's still there, centralgospel.com. So you talk about things about what do you have? What are your goals? What are goals for the family? Uh, where do you want to see yourself in 20 years in your work with God? If you are a minister, what are your ministry aspirations? So stuff like that, then you are able to break it down. It also makes you think a lot, and which is also a good thing. So, so that you will be able to live life by design and you won't live life by default. All right. So I think that's that's a very good thing. So that's that's one of the things uh, that you could do. You just go on the website. And then you get it. Then let me see. I think I should have the template here on my phone. Well, better still, I think I can post the templates if anybody is interested, because I remember the last time someone wanted me to talk on it. Let me just see. Yeah, so it's here, my 20-year development plan. So uh, we started in 2014, so by 2034. And I can't believe time is that gone. 10 years has passed already. And within the blink of an eye, it will be another 10 years. You know, for me, when I thought we were doing it, we thought it was going to be an eternity, but wow. It, it, it asks four questions and planning for the next 20 years. What kind of person will I want to be character? What should I have achieved accomplishments? What should I be doing? It talks about your occupation. And what should I own? It talks about assets. So these four things it will be the bulk of your planning. 
for 20 years. So when you look at it, it talks about your personal relationship as um, assessment, uh, your 20-year plan or goals, spiritual goals, ministry goals, family or relational health and fitness, educational and personal development, career or, uh, or, or occupational, financial goals, real estate, societal impacts, and overall family. So there are 10 things there. And then you look at the personal commitments you want to do on a daily basis. Those are those are little habits you want to build up that will help you to achieve the bigger goal. So that's the 20-year plan. It's a very simple plan. And um, our, our advice to to maybe go and download a template if you are interested to let me know. I could just send it to you. That's no problem. So and, and do that and take baby steps from there. You know, most times people are just afraid of planning. There are people who are like, oh, I'm interested and things like that. And when they start, they get stuck somewhere. But just be disciplined to go through it and, and follow through. And every now and then I just read my Pastor Jessica also has hers. Uh, we have a an agreement together. We pray over it, believe in God that we'll be able to achieve the things on paper. And by the grace of God, when we look at the the outcome, it's been great. The the development and the advancement has even been quicker if I look at some things. But I'm like, oh wow, we wrote this and we've done it within this past few years. So it's a very good thing. It helps you to be on track. So learn to plan together learn to plan together. But it, it's so important that one, you and your spouse are on the same spiritual wavelength. If you are not, everything else will be wrong when it comes to building unity and harmony. Amen. I pass over to Pastor Jessica for the next one. Oh, there's one. So can I mention something? Yeah. So for the... Um... 20 year plan that Pastor Steve mentioned. The one thing that I wanted to put in here was that uh, we did our individual 20 year plans. Um, and then I think we shared them and we discussed them. And then we also uh, saw the middle ground between the two of them. And oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry, my bad. Okay, then um, we did individual 20-year plans. And then we came together and shared each other's 20-year plans with one another. Um, and then we saw the middle ground between the two of our plans. And we jointly planned our 20-year plan as a married couple. Um, so, you know, that really, I think, had a great impact on our goals our lives um, aligning uh, as a couple together um, because it was not only financial goals, it was life goals, ministry goals, you know, and I got to also hear his heart on ministry um, when we sat down to discuss it. So it was very powerful. So I wanted to encourage all of us to um, do that. And I think we revisit it every so often, um, especially once we meet one of our goals, we'll revisit the plan again. So that's all I wanted to add to the bit. Amen. Amen. Okay. So the one that I will do next is going to be uh, scheduling dates. Scheduling dates. So it's already difficult to uh, take two individual things and then make them one in a sense, right? Um, it's something that we need a lot of time for, we need to study, we need to learn. So that's something that I'm going to put out there because it's not, you know, uh, I think sometimes we go in with the impression that when we get married, things will get fixed, right? Things will make sense after we get married. Um, and it's not, it's not like that. Really, uh, it actually marriage augments any issues or problems. And so when we get married, one of the things that I find important is scheduling dates. So um, I'm gonna use the same verse, I'm gonna use two verses. One of them is Ephesians 5.31. 
that says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and redeem to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, my friends, as easy as it sounds in the beautiful verse, is actually quite difficult and a lot of work. So um, when we schedule dates, we have to look at each other's calendars. Um, people are busy. Well, there has to be a time, a date, you know, so some, so that that's the first work that needs to be done. Um, and then why is it important to do dates? Because you want to keep the union going, right? The two shall become one flesh. We have to learn that there is a maintenance. There's a maintenance. There's a growing, a nurturing. It's like a plant. When you put the plant in the seed, just don't leave it there. You have to nurture it. You have to put water. You have to put uh, fertilizer on it. And so dates, I'll see them as fertilizer. Right. So the example I'll give us is like friendships, right? Any friendship that we have. Uh, the reason that we maintain friendships, the reason that we still have uh, uh, Mary or John as our friend is because we're spending time with them. We're talking on the phone with them. We're chatting with them. We do things together with them. Right. That's the reason they're still our friend. So a marriage it becomes much more important um, because you want to stay married, right? And so that's why um, I'm stressing this one um, because it's, it's something that's really, really um, important to continue to stay married. So um, some of the things that, I mean, I don't know if you guys have questions on that, um, but the next verse that I was about here is First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers, prayers may not be hindered. It says dwell with them with understanding. And so date time, I want us to see date time as that time of bonding, of coming to that place of understanding each other, of learning from one another, of you know, laughing together, of seeing what what they like, what they don't like. Um, it's it's like that. It's, it's almost like hoarding, but in a deeper level, right? Um, it's a special kind of thing. I've I've learned things from my husband that I didn't know before we got married because we went on dates. You know, I'm like, oh my god, I didn't know that you like that type of thing. He was like, yeah, I do. I think it was museums. I didn't know he liked going to museums, and I'm just like. I didn't I, I think maybe I didn't think he was the type that would like this kind of stuff but he was like yeah I do so you know um things like that and it's just like a small example and that comes from just chatting with them. so you know amen I think I'll pass it to you oh okay well why don't we, why don't we talk of on dates too there are different kinds of dates it's not just romantic dates there are also male dates I'm like that's just where I'm half a meal together. It doesn't have to be at the plushes of all restaurants. Mm -hmm. That's something simple. You know, sometimes when I have I will just go to Starbucks. I'm at as a cost. Just buy a cup and then we'll just be walking mm -hmm. and be talking. And dates, it's the it comes from the etymological root word of data. So dating is data. It's it's, it's gathering information, finding out this. That's the place to sometimes, personally, my wife and I, we get to talk about things of the house. Maybe we iron out um, certain issue, housekeeping matters and all that stuff. So um, it helps. One of the things to that we, we, we consider a date is what we call money date. And we learned that from um, David Back. David Back wrote a book called Automatic Millionaire. I don't know if you've read it, but... And in one of his principles, he talked about the money dates principles. So I borrowed everything, the concept from him. And he talks about 10 things that you should talk about when you are on a money date or something uh, you both want to do together so that you wouldn't have done it before, you, that you haven't done before. You know, so that's adventure. Then he talks about if we could only take one last trip together, where will you want to go, all right? 
And is there anything you are worried about when it comes to our finances that you haven't told me that you want to discuss? So the, I just mentioned only three out of 10 questions. This is everywhere. It's not a, really a, an open it's, it's everywhere. So I think if you um, Google it, you'll find the templates and you could you could use that. And the thing is that once you start doing it about three, four or five times, you are in such a rhythm that even if you don't do money dates, you are aware of how much comes in, what's going out, and you are able to sort of hold yourself accountable. One, you are able to stay within budget. Two, you are able to plan for the future. That's investments, savings, or things like that. And that really helps. Top two reasons why marriages are breaking apart in America now are poor finances and two, poor communication. So we, 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 you have to try and iron out those financial issues, those communication kinks. Um, the marriage will be good to go. Amen. So that's what my, the little thing I want to share on dates as, a, as far as it's concerned. The third thing I would like to talk about is build spiritual moments together. Now, when I'm talking about spiritual moments, times of praying together, reading the Bible together, Especially for a Christian couple, it goes a long way. You know, many years ago, I think I had a man of God. I think Jesse Duplantis. And, and he said this, which really blessed me, that a husband and a wife praying together is the strongest and highest form of what he would call the prayer of agreement. And when he said that, he kind of made me think of it because he said that union they are joined together in spirit, in soul, and in body than any other relationship that you have out there. And I thought about it and I said, that's true. Because your friends, you might be united with them spiritually, maybe if he's a Christian, and you might be united together soulishly. And when I'm talking about soulishly, I'm including emotional, mental, psychological, on that two wavelengths, you might not be united with him bodily. Right, bodily means you, you both of you will have to sleep together, which that might not really be the case. So it is true, and and even to even sleep with someone bodily doesn't mean you are united. It is in the context of marriage that that bodily unity comes together. So let me just mention that. So what just the planter said really holds weight, holds a lot of water. So it's so true. So. If you're a Christian couple and when you, you spend moments of prayer and reading the Bible together, that helps a lot. It really builds the family a lot. It helps you people to stay married. It helps couples to stay married. That is very important. So build those times together. Um, for example, my wife and I, we don't really read the Bible together, do you? I don't. I don't read the Bible together with her. I don't pray together with her because we all have different time schedules and times I want to do things. I like, for example, I'm, I'm, I am I'm wake up very early in the morning. My wife, she's a mid-morning person, right? So we do things a bit different. But what we do is that we schedule maybe retreats. We'll go on retreats. We, we book sometimes every, every year. At least we try to have a minimum of one retreats a year. But most times we do more than one. Sometimes it's a day retreat that will go somewhere and we will not want to include anybody. Sometimes when we would like to include uh, I know, people outside our circle to come. Sometimes we are going to pray. We don't want to include anybody. It's just the two of us because we want to pray about certain things that are pertinent on our hearts you know, and stuff like that. So make sure you have those times. So those are the times that we pray together and we read the Bible together. But aside that, like today, for example, she's read the Bible. She told me what she read. I've also read the Bible. I told her, but we don't do it together. Like we sit one place and we have a family devotion together. We wish we could, but we, we don't have that time. But we try to make sure that each and every waking day, we both are, in touch with the Lord. That's very important because it helps to build the, the, the fabric of, of the family unit in, in, in a marriage home. Amen. All right. Amen. 
Okay, the next one I will do is taking breaks together. So it sounds similar to the date thing, but I think Pastor Steve um, helped us uh, know the difference between that. So date, uh, like Pastor Steve said, it can be taking a walk in the park, going out for coffee together, uh, going out for lunch together, you know, these types of things. These are, these are reasons that have to do with things fancy. Um, so now taking breaks together is takes a little bit more planning. So taking breaks together um, means that you're planning trips together, right? Uh, you're going away together, you know, and the going away again doesn't have to be anything big. It could be into the next city. Um, even Pastor Steve and I have done that. Uh, we've just gone into the next city, uh, a couple of cities over, got a hotel and just relaxed. Sometimes we need to get away from our environment to clear our heads. And sometimes doing that together can be strengthening to the union, right? Um, you get sometimes, sometimes petty fights start because you're too enclosed in one place. I mean, we got that from the pandemic, right? Some of the things that can happen when we're too enclosed in one place, we can get bored with the conundrum of life. So we go into these circles and it's good to just break out from them together. Um, and I've, I've always found them helpful. I've always found them refreshing as an individual and as a couple. Um, you know, some of the things that I have done it for was just seeing something different, you know, um, building moments together. That's another important one when you go away because you learn how to uh, work with one another better. So um, I just remember telling somebody once that. So somebody once said that before you get married, if you can go on a road trip with a person without breaking up, then that's the person you marry. Um, and that's because sometimes you, you see, comp, you know, uh, different situations can come up during those times. And so you get to know the other person better. So I definitely think as a married couple, you get to know that person better from the things that come up and out, right? Um, the other thing about taking, I don't want to just keep it to just uh, romantic breaks, vacations, you know, um, taking vacation time together at least, at least once a year. Again, it doesn't have to be in the future. It doesn't have to be uh, out of the country. You can take a trip out of the country if you like to, um, but it doesn't have to be, it could be the next state. You could take a road trip over the next state um, and um, just take uh, like three or four days off, take a vacation together, plan it together. Um, it, it really can be refreshing and strengthening. The other type of break that I wanted to that was um, like spiritual breaks, spiritual retreats. So um, there's a place that we like going to for our spiritual retreats together. And it's just a time where we pray, we do devotionals together, um, share our thoughts on scriptures, learn from each other, you know, because God speaks through both of our, you know, through, through uh, husbands and wives. And so um, we can learn from each other there. And then just there's something powerful about um, spiritual retreats. When you pray together, um, it solidifies the union more. You know, uh, more things occur in the realm of the spirit, you know, things that might be troubling you. You know, even if you feel like you, you're not understanding why um, there's so much pettiness, baby that's happening or going on, you can take a spiritual retreat and pray together um, to shake off whatever is happening, you know, because sometimes the enemy does try to, um, sometimes try to come against a marriage union, um, and we have to be active and aware, you know, and sometimes those are the times and the places where um, you can really uh, get to the nitty gritty of, of some issues, you know, so I'd like to present Okay, so the next on the agenda is sexually active marriages. It's important as couples to have sex. You that it helps you to stay married, because sex is actually building emotional and physical intimacy with your spouse. So that is very important. Sometimes there, there's a lot of strain in marriages all because my, um, partners have not taken the time 
to engage with their partners on a, on an intimate and a very physical level, which has to do with sex for that matter. So it's very important. It has to be on the regular. Somebody will say, how many times? But, um, that is something that is between spouses, depending on your time schedule, energy levels, all that stuff. So that is something that is relative. But it's very important that um, that happens in the marriage frequently to build physical and emotional intimacy. I talk about living married together. The emotional intimacy is very important. The physical intimacy is very important. And during sex too, that is when couples become vulnerable, which is very good. Intimacy, another word is intimacy. That's when the partners see into each other. That's very, that's very important. It builds chemistry. It builds emotional intimacy. And, and it helps you to have a stronger marriage, you know. So within that context, if you do remember, last two weeks we looked at the scripture in First Corinthians chapter 7. So now within that context of physical, emotional intimacy, this is where having your partner to avoid sexual immorality comes in. Because sometimes one of the reasons why some husbands are prone or some wives are prone to maybe cheat or, or break the marriage vow is because of lack of sex in the marriage and not having time for the spouse. So sex it signals a lot of things. It means you are important to me. It means you are bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. It means I trust you. That's why we are naked and not ashamed. It means I am well vested into the relationship. Because I've, you know, I'm naked before you. It means I'm well vested into the resort. It's not just the act, but it's also all the messages that it, it brings along. It means I am affectionate towards you because there has to be the softer side of marriage, the affectionate parts, the intimate parts, which all comes through sex. So when when that happens, you are communicating all these signals to your marriage partner. And that's a blessing. So it's it's good that couples are engaged in that frequently. Sometimes many couples just stop because of complacency, because of boredom, or because of maybe other issues. Sometimes when you're under so much stress and under so much pressure, you know, it sometimes drives away even the urge to even uh, sleep with your partner. And when these things happen, what should I do, Pastor? What should I do? The best thing is to talk to a therapist who will give you clinical counseling and help from there. If I should be very honest to you, most pastors, I'm just, you know, just from observation. I don't know all pastors, but from what I have seen, from what I have heard, most pastors tend to not be very good with dealing with these issues. So sometimes it will be better if you go to a very qualified professional who is able to deal with issues like this and give you practical and concrete steps to help you out. Amen. When it comes to the spiritual aspects, that's where we are very good at. But sometimes when it comes to emotional things and mental things, which would need a bit more therapy, sometimes we are not strong in that area. And it's fine to admit that. It's fine to admit that so that you get specialized counsel and training in that area. That will be a blessing to you. Amen. All right. You have anything to say on that? The one thing I think I wanted to add is um, if, if stress is an issue, sometimes sharing the stress can be helpful. Right. Um, and one of the things about the benefits of being married is that you have somebody who can be transparent with. And so if there's something that is troubling um, that you have a hard time with, sometimes, I mean, there's certain things that some spouses have difficulty talking with their um, partner, with their spouse with, but 
Um, if you are able to, if you feel like your spouse is a safe space, which I hope that's how we all feel, um, then it's worth mentioning to the spouse because then, you know, the other person can understand what's happening, right? And uh, sometimes it actually can be quite helpful uh, to the other person just to get it out. And um, yeah, that's all I wanted to share with that because sometimes it helps the union. Amen. Amen. Okay. So just for a teaser, it is said that 84% of women that have sex with their husbands are able to engage their husbands to have uh, help with housework. So wife, if you want your husband to help with housework, <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> it's just statistics out there. Amen. <laughs> so yeah. Check it out. Good, goodhousekeeping.com. I think, I think, I think it's run by a female, I believe. Yeah. I think the name sounds that doesn't sound that way. So yeah. They said so. That's what they said. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we'll undo one more and then we'll have time to talk and ask questions and, and you guys can chime in. So the last one I'm gonna touch on is conflict resolution. This one is a hard one. This one is very difficult. We won't have that much time to say too much, but I did want to leave us with some tips and keys um, on conflict resolution. One thing is sure is that we will have conflict and it will need to be resolved in marriage because, again, you're joining two very individual people and um, bringing them to one. So there could be some rough edges that need to be sorted out. Um, even though it's a beautiful thing, um, it can be also very difficult. In the so let's get into it. So some of the things that we can do uh, to resolve conflict, even before conflict starts. This one is, uh, some of these are before conflict starts. Okay, so one of them is um, be a student of each other know who your spouse is. What does that mean? That means know their personality, know their kinks, know their likes, their dislikes, know what makes them tick and what doesn't make them tick. Right? Um, ask questions, be observant um, of, of your spouse. Um, sometimes males tend to not be that communicative, but um, it took me some time, but I would ask questions sometimes. Uh, to my husband, you know, why do you do this? Why do you do that? It's a little annoying, but it's the only way I get to know um, what what he likes or doesn't like, what makes him tick or doesn't make him tick. Um, the other thing I'm going to say is when you find out what makes that person tick, please don't press the button on purpose. You know that it's a soft spot. You know it's a weakness. Um, it's best to stay away from that if you want peace in marriage. Don't do it on purpose. Don't do it out of because you're angry. Um, resist the temptation. These are some of the things, if, if, it's, if it's a problem, that need to be prayed about because we shouldn't be pressing each other's buttons on purpose because you also lose trust because it's not like your spouse doesn't know that you know, right? So when it's done on purpose, you can also break that trust a little bit and um, things won't go up. Things will go sideways. The other thing I'm going to say is know that when you hurt your spouse, you hurt yourself as well. Again, we're becoming one flesh. And so what happens to one happens to you too, whether you like to admit it or not, uh, it does. Most definitely. I call it shooting yourself in the foot by, by uh, inflicting um pain on your spouse, you know? No. Um, the other thing is always be willing to resolve any type of conflict. We have to be willing to uh, want to resolve. Uh, in other words, we can't be rigid. We can't be hard in, in what we want only or how we see things only. We have to be open-minded and flexible. Amen? Are you doing with another human being? Um, the other thing is uh, find middle ground. 
So now we have to learn how to compromise. If you're a person who's perhaps having a hard time compromising, then I suggest you start studying, you start reading some books, uh, scripture especially, about learning how to compromise, uh, what healthy compromise is, because sometimes uh, that can be misunderstood. It's not only about allowing the other person to get what they want. It's a healthy compromise. Amen. It should be like what I call a win-win situation. Okay, so some keys um, for, for resolving conflict. Number one, and most important, we've all heard it everywhere, communication is key. We have to communicate. Our, our spouses are not mind readers. Uh, we don't believe in crystal balls or reading tea leaves. So we have to communicate. Thinking that your spouse should know or knows, I've lived with this person for 20 years, they should know. No, we have to communicate because the other person is their own person. And sometimes they may not be paying attention. They, they don't, you know, we're human, but things happen. So uh, we have to verbalize. We have to let the other person know how we feel or think. So that brings me to my next point. Be direct with thoughts and feelings, not with accusation, not with, uh, 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 with this, uh, where you just attack the person. No, you just be direct with how you personally are feeling and thinking. Finish, right? The other one, the next one, very important, don't play blame games, right? We're blaming our spouses. Uh, well, you, I did that because you did that. And, you know, this kind of thing. It won't solve the problem. I, I've never seen this solve any type of problem. Um, the most important thing is to take responsibility for what is your part and then the discussing the issue in and of itself. Amen? Um, okay, the next one is to stick to one topic at a time. What does that mean? That means we're not bringing up past issues we're not bringing up a, another hurt that we never discussed into, into this and then swirling it around um, and just compacting the problem, right? We just stick to this particular issue and solve that particular issue. Don't bring other things into it. Um, and, and then the last one, because we're running out of time, assume your spouse has good intentions. You marry them for a reason. Assume that they have good intentions. Amen? Don't close your problem. Amen. That's good. Fight fair. Um, conflict is normal. Conflict is natural. Conflict is neutral. So try to remember that. So it's going to happen. No matter how hard you try to put your best foot forward, you might fight fair. You know, in the boxing ring, there are some rules that are put in place for the fight to be fair. No biting. I once upon a time there was a boxer who was disqualified because he bit someone's ear. No matter how strong you are, don't hit below trunks. So when 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 that that moment of heat arises, try not to do certain things. There are some things that should be a no no. Don't abuse your spouse. Some people become very abusive. Abuse. Don't use insulting words. You know it should it shouldn't get to that point. It's just like you hitting below the trunk. So learn how to fight fair and don't be afraid of conflict. The most important thing is that it should be resolved. Make sure that it's resolved. And I like all the points that my wife has given. I'm in agreement with them. If we should follow these principles hard, uh, it will not mean we will have absence of conflicts, but it will mean that when conflicts come, it will always be resolved effectively. Amen. So let's run through the six points again. So number one, plan jointly if you want to live married. Number two, schedule dates. Number three, build spiritual moments together. Number four, take breaks together. Number five, be sexually active with your spouse. And then number six, handle conflicts effectively. Amen.
at this point, we would like to open the floor for contributions, questions, and anything. Yeah, welcome. God bless you. All right. It looks like I got cut for a minute, but this time we'll open the floor for any questions or contributions. And we also use this opportunity to welcome Pastor Frank Amarco Jampa of Bad of Life International Christian Center from Brussels, Belgium. Amen. God bless you for joining us. God willing, he and his wife will be ministering next weekend. We look forward to receiving them. Amen. So if we don't have any if we don't have any questions, then have we all learned something tonight? Would you guys like to contribute anything? All right, at this point, let's just pray. Let's just pray and commit families into the hands of the Lord. Um, we want to pray that God strengthen families. And we also want to pray for marriages that are under attack. That may God heal marriages that are under attack. So we are praying for families. God should strengthen families. God should strengthen every form of relationship in the family. Um parents, kids, spouses, and what have you. And we want to pray for marriages that are under attack, that God should heal marriages. Amen. And I also want to make this um, third prayer point. Um, maybe you are saying, I believe in God for marriage. Let's pray that um, you will find what God wants you to have. Uh, because... Uh, Marriage is a destiny changer. Uh, who you marry, it, it impacts upon your destiny greatly, greatly, greatly. Of course, we are Christians, we have our heavenly destiny, but in case of what you do on earth, it's, it's impacts, it impacts you greatly. So we want to pray for that. So let, let's, let's have in mind these three prayer topics as we begin to have a heart of intercession. Let's begin to pray. Card of all shaker with this. We pray for families to rise up, so that may the family units be strengthened in Jesus' name. Every form of relationship and the family may be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Kati Brostoba, Kati Dado, Sefa, Kadabrosi, Adarapo, Indasuba, Adabrasko, Adabrasko, Kantorabrosi, Baramoshi, Kadabakaba, Mendari, Adosho, Kalomba, Kadamabada, Imandesa, Kontali, Broski, Baramoshi, Kalababa, Mandosi, Brekatorabrosi, Kalamoshi, Kalababa, Makonabosi, Kalamoshi, Kalabrenda, Kalabrosi, 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 Kalab
We pray for marriages at the attack on Lord Father. We pray for your healing, oh Lord, healing, healing of marriages that are on the break of separation. Healing for marriages that are on the break of divorce. Healing for marriage start the break of being torn apart, oh Lord. Father, we pray for divine intervention, divine intervention in broken marriages, divine intervention for marriages that are in trouble. Father, we pray that let the troubled waters be still in the name of Jesus. Let the bitter waters in people's marriages be sweet again, once again, in Jesus' name. Marriages down the brink of breaking down because of conflicts, oh Lord. Father, we pray for your intervention, oh Lord. We pray for your intervention. Cardo Bresco Pada Boshika da Bresco Padabados Turoboshika Nabakabre Kabatarabo Vigala Karabanda Lebresco Bandoboshika Basutanabekamata Yande Kolebeko Sabatarabosi Karabasu Karabeko Balabada Imando Sabah Balambeko Torabosi Karaboshi anybody that is single, that is believing you, O oh Lord, for marriage, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, we pray for the ability to design and choose right, O oh Lord. The ability to prospect and design right, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. May they be delivered from strange men and strange women, O oh Lord, those who are believing you, O oh Lord, from marriage, O oh Lord. May they find their choice, yes, partner, that you have earmarked for them, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for answer prayers, Lord. As we have come together, in the prayer of agreement as the household of faith. Thank you for answer prayers. In Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for tonight. Thank you for seeing us through this program. And I will pray that um, the truths that have been shared uh, will run the course of these commandments because you have enlarged our hearts to do so. Thank you that these words like seeds will fall on good grounds and will yield forth many, many dividends of blessings and fruits that will affect our marriage relations. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you guys for attending tonight. God willing, we have Pastor Frank and Minister Bill, like I said earlier on. Please, let's come early. And let's look forward to receiving them with a heart of receptivity as they will take over the last uh, week or day four of our program. Uh, we're looking forward to them being a blessing to us. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Good night. God bless you.